This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. It's the Steelers Blitz here on SNR, rocking and rolling on a Tuesday, riding solo here on the Blitz today. So you guys know what that means, all right? I got to get some help when this happens. I can't just talk to myself for two hours. And one of the guys that I always love to talk to, a third of the SNR edition of Migos, it's our buddy Chris Carter. What's up, Chris? How we doing? What's up, Wes? How you been, man? Hey, buddy. I am good. I know you've got a million, bazillion, kajillion things going on. I'm sure you finished up seven different things this morning, and you probably got another half dozen things to do this afternoon. So I appreciate you taking the time, as always, partner. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely exactly right. I did finish seven different things this morning. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're well underway, but it's an exciting week and a short week for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That means everything has to happen so much faster. Yeah, absolutely. Without a doubt. And, and we know that that is always a big storyline. Chris, do you think there's a real tangible? I know Mike Tomlin was asked about this uh, yesterday at his Moved Up Monday press conference because of that short week. Is there a real disadvantage for the Steelers coming off playing a team like the Ravens on a short week, a, an emotional rivalry matchup in a game that we always know and we saw on Sunday is always a physical, demanding battle? Less about the, less about the, 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 uh, the emotion of it and more about the physicality. I mean, the bottom line is just that, this is, that was a, that's a physical game where they're running the ball, you're running the ball, and you need to be able to you know, win the line of scrimmage, which they did a lot in this game. So I think they did a heck of a job in doing that. But to turn it around this quickly, it's going to it's going to take a lot. So uh, you know this is this is going to be a challenge. But I do think they're up for it. They've got, they you know, they had a lot of role players step up this week. On a short week, it might be actually easier for some of these younger guys that are on the team now. To say hey, let me turn this good week into a two two good weeks hmm. in quick order. Uh, you know, younger teams sometimes they can feed off of momentum. We've seen that over time. Um, you know that we've been accustomed to the Steelers being an older team in recent years with that offensive line they used to have. But now maybe you say, hey, you know what? Get a strong fourth quarter against the Ravens. What if you can have a strong first first through fourth quarter against the Vikings? Yeah, no, we we would love to see that. Absolutely, let's carry that momentum over, keep it rolling, and yeah, you win on the short week. You win up in Minnesota. All of a sudden, you got a, an elongated. Um, stretch of days off I guess compared to usual you know a few extra days off and you'd be feeling much better about where you're at record wise as well too Chris we know that that was a big one on Sunday I think for a lot of different reasons the Steelers just needed something to, to feel good about it's always a big one when Pittsburgh and Baltimore play they could be 10 and 0 they could both be 0 and 10 it's always going to be a big game playoff implications, division race, all that stuff. But maybe for another reason. i, I got to ask you, buddy. i got to maybe put you on the spot here a little bit. Oh, okay. Do, do you think that was Ben Roethlisberger's last home game against the Baltimore Ravens? Oh, man, I, I do think so. It's quite crazy. I was actually talking to our buddy Arthur Most on the Lockdown Steelers podcast just, uh, just, yesterday, just, just for today. So, um, you know, looking at it, I mean, Ben's taken a lot of shots this year. It would take, it would take a sort of miracle run. Over the next over the next month or so of the Steelers, not only winning but protecting Ben Roethlisberger while doing so, of several key players stepping up to make life easier for everyone. I just, you know, as much as I still think the Steelers could make a run, get to the playoffs, and maybe even win the division at this point, um, I, I think it's a lot to say that Ben's going to get the kind of protection that's going to make him feel um, 
you know, able to able to keep this up. Sure. Uh, you know, I think he's he's also just seen the limitations of himself. And normally, when a report comes from Adam Schefter, you know, there's some serious weight <laughs> with it. He doesn't play around with that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And and Moats has said that before too. Moats has said, "Man, there was times where I found out I had an injury and I was going to miss a game or two, and before I can even get out of the facility and call my wife, Adam Schefter has it on Twitter." So yeah, that guy is that guy is always very tapped in for sure. Chris, you, you, one thing that you mentioned there that, that I want to, I think, you know, you and I have discussed a lot, uh, both on the Locked on Steelers podcast and when you, when you join us here on SNR, how we think kind of two things to be true. One, that Ben Roethlisberger does obviously have limitations um, within the offense and the offensive line and also combined with just being 39 years old and not being as athletic and as chipper as he was a decade ago. That's the first thing. But the second thing is that you and I also kind of laugh when people suggest like, ah, just just give it to Mason. You know, ah, you, you got to get Ben out of there. Yeah. Because, because while we certainly don't think Ben is is, is a perfect quarterback at his, at his current age, you and I, I think, also know that seven certainly gives the Steelers the best chance to win games. Is that enough what we saw to kind of put that to rest? I mean, you see the, the, the Hall of Famer, you know, just able to figure it out in the second half, particularly the fourth quarter, just enough bullets in that holster to get a victory. And, and I think that's where we need to settle the Steelers nation. Like, yeah, at his age, he, he might do some things. And with the offensive line, like you've mentioned, that, that, that you know, frustrates you as a fan. But there's no doubt, and there shouldn't be any doubt on anybody's mind, that he's still the quarterback on this roster that gives this team the best chance to win. Yeah, you're, you're, if you're asking me, you know, does that put anything to rest? Man, nothing puts anything to rest these days, man. I, <laughs> we got the bait. It's, it's just, it's just how it works, you know. Like, because here's the thing: they they won last week. Everyone's like, "Oh, Ben, we love you." He'll, if he throws two picks this week, boom, Ben, we hate you. <laughs> it's, it, it's just, it's how fans work. And unfortunately, I, I, in today's Pittsburgh media, so much gets dictated by what gets said on Twitter, you know. And it's just, it's unfortunate. But you know it's part of it's part of the deal, um, and uh, it seems like you know so much gets regulated by what fans say and what certain people say that that are in media, and that dictates the conversation rather than you know actual analysis, actual what's going on in the field and context to everything. Bottom line is with Mason, I mean he doesn't give you what you need at the you know when Ben when when Ben he may not give you what he need, what you need all the game long. But you saw in the fourth quarter there, just turning it on, figuring out, hey, this is what's working. Let's go. Let's adjust to this. That's all instinct. That's all adjustment. That's all talent right there. So I, I look at that and I say, you know, you'd rather you'd rather go be, say, hey, let's trust Ben Roethlisberger to come up with those big moments, yeah, than say, hey, let's bring in Mason Rudolph. Excuse me, as the train rolls by. <laughs> hey, that's um, your Mike Tomlin moment, like from the press conference yesterday. That was. That was hilarious, by the way. We were sitting there because, as reporters, we cannot stand these trains because they often come by at the most inconvenient the worst times yep. of, 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 of interviews. Um, but uh, but there you have it. It's, it's quickly gone. But um, uh, but back to my point, Mason Rudolph. He just he doesn't bring that. You know, I, you know, if if the only argument that's even to be had with Mason at this point is, hey, we think that if we give him like eight to twelve games in a row. He might get into a rhythm and be a good quarterback. They don't got that kind of time this year, you know. <laughs> like, like it's you know, if, if they were going to do this, it would have been early in the season, and you know, you saw it, you, you couldn't beat the Lions with him. So, I, I think that 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 experiment is done. He's a, he's a decent backup. He's good, like Landry Jones, to bring in in pinches. Uh, but they they need to be moved looking forward next year. Right now, they're winning with Ben Roethlisberger. Chris, one guy that uh, we have not discussed much this week, uh, I don't think, at least in SNR and at least not you know, on the 
the the the twitter.com of course has been Devin Bush and I think that that's a good thing I think 55 you know I'm not going to sit here and say that he played at an all pro level on Sunday but I certainly don't think that anyone was sitting there questioning his effort I certainly don't think anyone was sitting there calling him a bust he looked like he belonged on Sunday on the field against the Ravens played well and I thought that that's a good starting point for him I wanted to know your opinion because you know you mentioned the locked on Steelers podcast uh, for those of you not familiar you got to subscribe Chris a daily Steelers podcast great stuff from him as always you'll hear Moats and I on there from time to time uh, I was on with you last week and one of the things we discussed around the Devin Bush conversation because there's a lot of different parts of this conversation one of those pieces of the puzzle was the fact that you know there's no Alu Alu there's no Stefan to in front of him and that makes it a lot harder for him to play fast for him to play a aggressive downhill football well Chris I want to know your opinion did the performance on Sunday of uh, some of the newcomers right Montrevis Adams and uh, I guess he's not a newcomer but Chris Wormley's fantastic performance do you think part of the reason why we saw what what looked like a competent Devin Bush like a guy who belonged out there was because he finally for for a rare time this season also had the defensive line playing really well in front of him Absolutely, and it's part of it's also you, you saw better effort from him in general. But I mean, you saw Montrevious Adams doing those plays, taking on double teams, yeah. and, and that that's just that, that that's one of those those non sexy things that people don't talk about when it comes to the NFL. When they tell they look at defensive linemen, oh, how many titles from loss did you have? Oh, how many sacks did you have? But taking on double teams is such a huge role in the in the NFL, even today with the passing NFL, and especially keeping your linebackers clean to be be playmakers. You saw Devin Bush going sideline to sideline. There was one play where Montrevious Adams sort of took on a double team. The, the, the run went out wide for the Ravens, and you saw Devin Bush fly over to the sideline. And the, he, he forced the running back. He cut him off to the outside, forced him back to the inside, and then made the tackle at the line of scrimmage. Those are the type of things that you're like, that's what you drafted Devin Bush to be able to do. Because if he doesn't make that play, that guy get, get, rips off a big game. Right. But you need, you need linebackers to be able to stretch the field with the running backs, to be able to run back and forth, to be able to make those type of plays. And those are things. He only got, like, what, two tackles on the stat sheet? He still filled in in a lot of spaces. He also had a really good uh, defensive rep in covering Mark Andrews, forcing a tough throw from, from Lamar Jackson. Um, I, I think that this week was absolutely a good step, and a big part of it was Montrevious Adams just giving him some time to think at the linebacker position. Chris, there were a, a, a whole cast of, of new names out there doing good things for the Steelers. Montrevis Adams, certainly one of them. Got to ask, though, uh, who are you more impressed by, LeGlue or Witherspoon? I thought both had really strong performances. I mean, I'd say I'm equally impressed. I mean, I, I guess the most by LeGlue because he's the fifth left guard they've called <laughs> yeah. upon this season. And that was is- his first ever <laughs> NFL game. Right, like oh, that, that's just ridiculous. And he looked like he was just ready to go. He was just, hey, I'm knocking heads. I, I said going into this game, the biggest matchup that I was concerned with with the Steelers was Calais Campbell and Brandon Williams at, at, at defensive tackle. They were going to be bringing it up the middle the entire game. The Steelers' interior offensive line hadn't been good uh, the past re- the past couple games, and that put them in a tough spot. So I was like, man, you know, those guys used to give fits to Marquise Pouncey and David DeCastro when they were in their front. Now you're saying you're asking. Uh, you're asking Kendrick Green and Trey Turner and John McGlue to, to step up against them, and they did. They, 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 they held it down. Roethlisberger only got sacked once. They let the fourth quarter, they really turned it on for the run game. Really impressed by McGlue, but also Akello Witherspoon. After, you know, he really only got four snaps against the Raiders, and one of them he gave up a giant touchdown to, uh, to Henry Ruggs. But he hadn't had much of a chance to really shine this year. But when he got his first start, he really stepped up, and he proved Kevin Colbert was uh, you know, Tim trading away that fifth round pick was worth something. I do think he was a big part as far as 
helping get this win. Just a couple more minutes here with our buddy Chris Carter, Locked on Steelers podcast, DK Pittsburgh Sports, WPXI. You hear him here on SNR all the time. Uh, Chris, this morning, you know, I, I, new father, right? I got an infant daughter. I've been waking up earlier, you know, get up in the morning, turn on the TV, you know, good morning football and sit there and play with my daughter and keep her entertained and fed and all those good things. I'm watching good morning football this morning, Chris, and they're talking about TJ Watt as a potential MVP candidate, not just defensive player of the year, MVP of the league. Do you think that's realistic? Where do you think he stands in the DPOY conversation as well? I do think it's realistic, and heck, they're copycats because I made that my episode for today with Arthur Moe. I was like, T.J. Watt deserves to be MVP considerations right now, and you still got to finish the season strong. But, I mean, you just look at the the raw numbers, uh, you know, even beyond just what he does on the field. The fact that he has 16 sacks in 10 games, Hmm. that's ridiculous. He leads the NFL by two sacks. The other guy, Miles Garrett, has two more games played. And really, when you consider it, T.J. Watt has also missed like a, like a three-quarters of, of one of the games that he played. And you also look at the Steelers' record. They're 6-2 and two when he plays, when he plays all four quarters. And the two losses they have are the two games that he, when he came back from an injury and wasn't looking 100%. Right. But when he's 100%, and he's playing at a level when he's, when he's make, making a difference in a game, they're undefeated this year. And without him, they don't have a single. Without that, they don't have a single win. Huh. What? What? What is? If, you're, if the term of the award, that is, is a, I hadn't thought about that. Player. Actually, you're absolutely right. <laughs> if, the, if the award is the most valuable player, and you turn this team into an AFC competitor, I mean, you could argue if TJ Watts you know plays more games, if he never gets hurt this year, mm. maybe they still lose some of those games. But they would definitely have a better record right now. And. I feel like that's undeniable at this point that he is extremely valuable. And I think what also works in this way, you don't have Patrick Mahomes whipping apart defense right. this year. You don't, have, you don't have quarterbacks throwing ungodly numbers you know, to, to destroy uh, uh, defenses this year. So I, I look at this and I say, you know what? The, the, the people who vote might say, well, who? Well, we don't have any quarterbacks that are really killing it this year. Derrick Henry's not playing. Um, hmm. Why don't we look at the defense? And if we look at the defense, we see he's the most dominant defensive player in the league right now. Not only should he be Defensive Player of the Year, but he also should get a look for MVP. I love it. You've convinced me. At first, I thought it was a little far-fetched. <laughs> but I, you know what? I mean, I think you're right. Everything, Chris, you ready for this one? What's up? Everything's falling into place for TJ, just like everything fell into place for the Pitt Panthers to have that great season. Oh, to have, oh you, hey, see, hey, you see what hey, I did hey. there. Huh? You see, you like that. I gave you a little props there. I'm surprised you haven't mentioned that yet in 15 minutes. I, I, appreci- oh, you know, man, I, I appreciate I'm, you. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a gracious guy. You, you are. Know? You are. Just, because, just because you went to West Virginia and you haven't felt the, the pure joy of winning a conference championship in a little bit. It's okay. It's okay. I'm not going to rub that in. I'm not going to say you know, a, a pair of numbers that might ah. trigger you. I'm, I'm don't ask me to do to math, say, Chris. I'm not good at math. Don't ask me to <laughs> I'm not good at math. But I am going to say it was, it was a heck of a trip to go down to Charlotte and cover the Pitt, the Pitt Panthers in winning their ACC championship. Yeah. I, and I, I think a lot of the people, people have made fun of Pat Narduzzi for years, um, they, they, they've come at him. People have said they should move on from him. He proved all of that wrong. You know, you can still say, oh, you know, X's and O's coach, time management, blah, blah, blah. Okay, maybe not. But he's created a culture of winning at Pitt football. He made Kenny Pickett want to come back instead of going to the NFL last year, which turns out to be that, kid, that guy's best ever. Yeah, seriously. Decision. And now he's about to go to New York as a Heisman Trophy finalist and a legitimate one, not an outside one. 
Uh, I mean, I'd even argue he might have he might be the number two guy. I still think it's Bryce Young from Alabama. That has yeah, to you're probably right. Yeah, he's he just he's earned that. But to, to get that kind of an honor, the last guy was Larry Fitzgerald. You put yourself in that conversation. You 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 I mean you already know he's already smashed records of Dan Marino. Heck, he's smashing ACC records. He has the most passing touchdowns in a season by an ACC quarterback. I saw and, that. Yeah, beat Deshaun Watson, like, right? Exactly. And it's just like that. You, you you can't ignore that. They've done a heck of a job. But it's not just Kenny Pickett. It's not just Jordan Addison who should win the Bolitnikoff Award. It's also this defense that has truly come together. Habakkuk Baldonado playing very well. Um, you see, Savasti Dennis is just a monster at, at, at middle linebacker at the Mike position. Uh, you know, Eric Hallett, the second. People had picked on him this year because he gave up a couple touchdowns. This man went up against the number one offense in the ACC, the number three offense in the country, and had two picks, including a pick six that helped close out the game. And this was a laugher. I, I didn't think, I never thought if the Pitt ever got to an ACC championship game that I'd be able to go on the field, stand <laughs> on the sidelines as a reporter, and just not care about the game. All I was shooting was the crowd and just how the Pitt well, you didn't have so any, Yeah, you didn't have any stress there in the fourth quarter easy. I mean, either. Exactly. That's a, that, was a, that was a very welcome development, I'm sure. <laughs> It, exactly. It's just like, you know, your pit fans are just used to saying, oh, how are we going to mess this up? There was no feeling of that. Yeah, For yeah. The last, like, 12 minutes of the game, it was like, this is a It was just inevitable, game. yeah. Right, and so that that just that's why I made my story, not about, you know, how Kenny Pickett did it or how, how Eric Hallett did it or how Therese A. Dennis did it or Jordan Addison or Izzy Abadi Condor or all the playmakers they had in that game. I made it about just the emotion, just the, the story of what happened or just how the fans, who, by the way, took over the city of Charlotte going down there it's a great city. Um, and changing everything. So it was, it was a great city. I definitely want to go back because I had a really good time. But, um, but man, it was just truly an experience and a heck of a day for the Pitt Panthers, heck of a year for the Pitt Panthers. I also think they drew the exact right straw in playing a number 10-ranked Michigan State, a team yes. that runs the ball, doesn't defend the pass well. Yep. Those are the two things that that, that 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 Pitt can defend and Pitt can do on offense. Hey, like I said, it's fallen right for your Panthers. Hopefully, the same happens for TJ Watt. That's a good, a good yeah. thing. No, it was a great. It was a great weekend for football in the city of Pittsburgh. You had what five? I think Whippeal teams advancing to uh, to the uh, state championship game. Pitt wins the ACC. Steelers yep. beat the Ravens. Uh, you know what? I did like what you said though about uh, with Narduzzi convincing Pickett to stay. Like. That's the rare time that staying actually made somebody more money, right? Normally you're like, go get your go get your money, young man. Go to the draft, mm-hmm. go get your money. But yeah, Kenny Pickett is going to be a first-round pick for sure. Nice payday. And I'll, I'll, I'll close it with this, Chris. It's the same thing. You know our buddy Tom Opperman um, does a show here on SNR, produces the Steelers yeah, games, there. Mark Madden's producer. Our buddy Tom, you know, he's like yourself, um, a, a, a legit Pitt fan for sure. I, I'll say the same thing to you that I said to him. I can't say the the c word that sounds like graduation. All right, but 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 I but but I'll tell you that I'm happy for you, Mr. Carter. How about that? I appreciate you saying that, man. It's uh, you know, it, but 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 again, you and I were texting about this. You know, you were at least able to. To, to say that, and you acknowledge, like, hey, there's a rivalry here between Pitt and West Virginia. We oh, yeah, you know I do not like Pitt. You back. know, I mean, I'm over here. My skin's crawling as you're saying all those nice yeah. things. Right, <laughs> but, but it's like, but you're not you're not also acting like it's not a rivalry, like like other, like, you know, Penn State fans. I saw some Penn State fan posted and said, Correct. oh, they were, they were chanting uh, uh, this about Penn State. I'm like, listen, bro, I was on the field for, like, that entire fourth quarter. I didn't hear not one of those. I'm not saying it didn't happen, but I, I was look, asking around, and like I saw some people like, yeah, I never heard that. I was pretty drunk there. I said something. <laughs> you know, Penn State was far out of our minds. And it's just like, 
you know, at least like Penn State, like they want to be in the conversation when they're not. And then, but at least like West Virginia fans, like I didn't see that from West. I saw like, hey, you know what? It sucks that these guys are doing it, but yeah, whatever, we'll clap it up for you anyway. Right? Yeah, and we'll we don't we there. don't pretend to not hate you whenever you're doing well. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like 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 like, like you got you guys are at least like, like give that. So I, that's another reason I look forward to the backyard <laughs> brawl coming back. It's a it's a much it's a much missed rivalry. Oh yeah, Labor Day weekend will be a lot of fun down on the North Shore for sure. I Ooh. can I I know both of us will be there without a doubt. Um. Yeah, and you know what? All right, last thing I'll say before I get one more Steelers question for you. Um, All right. You know, I think you're right. I think it's going to be Bryce Young, and it's just, you know, he the big comeback with the big game with Auburn. Yeah. You know how many eyeballs yeah. the SEC championship draws, and they were, even though I thought it was crazy, they were pretty, you know, substantial underdogs against Georgia, full touchdown underdogs against Georgia, and they smoked them. Chris, I will say this feels like maybe the – I don't know if this is the right word, and I'm not trying to like poo-poo anybody involved, but maybe like the most underwhelming Heisman race since Jason White. Well, like, like it's been so obvious in years past, right? Oh, it was clearly Devonta Smith. Like, maybe, maybe Pickett gets it. Maybe there's a little Larry Fitzgerald juju in there where everyone knew it should have been Larry, but it went to Jason White. Maybe, maybe it works out the other way this time. I mean, maybe there's a possibility there. You know, I've seen sometimes both people think. With their votes, like, well, this guy's a senior, this guy's not. Let's, you know, this guy will be back next year, and maybe they'll they'll do that for Bryce Young um, and, and give give some shots. To right, right. I also I, I also think one thing, you know, Bryce Young to me, he's earned it because he has more passing yards, more touchdowns, less interceptions, and he had several big moments against you know SEC defenses that I think would have given Pitt a little bit more trouble. But I will say this too. Kenny Pickett has had many big moments. Like you know, a lot of what it comes down to is moments. You know, yeah. Is, is moments because the voters when they're looking at things, a lot of these voters they're not just here. They're not here in Pittsburgh. They're all across the country, right? And so there's this. When did they have time to sit down and, and just say, "Ah, yep. let me enjoy what this guy might be about"? Oh, I cover and, Utah and, football, but let me sit down here and watch this Pitt game. Yeah, ex- exactly. And when, when, when you know Pitt's had several big stages this year, when they when they beat Clemson, you saw Kenny Pickett come out from from the tunnel from being hurt and then lead them to close out the game with several gutsy runs when it went into overtime against North Carolina, and he was dueling it out with Sam Howell, who many people thought was a Heisman favorite coming into the season, yeah. and you see him throwing a game-winning touchdown pass in overtime, or when he goes up against Brennan Armstrong, one of the top quarterbacks in the country without a doubt, and he outduels him to clinch the ACC Coastal, or when he goes up against Sam Hartman, who again has some of the best numbers in the country for a quarterback, and he outduels him on the ACC Championship game, and then you get a, a play named that. I was going to say, he did the stanky. He, don't forget the stanky leg in the first quarter, the stank, Chris. Oh, the, the, the stanky leg, fake slide. I, I hadn't heard the stanky leg. That's actually hilarious. You like that one? Huh? That I actually like that. That's, that's, that's Chris, I had, I had one of my buddies who's a huge Pitt fan. As soon as that, like right after that play, he texted me. And I said, dude, your quarterback just did the stanky leg and broke a defense. Why are you texting me? <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it was the wildest. It was the wildest thing. I mean, just watching it from up, up in the press box, I was like, Wait, did, he just did that, right? He did. He did. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And I just, I mean, but when you get a, a play named after you like that, and again, not a cheap play, not a dirty play. Just a, hey, you know what? That was a heck of a play. It was within the rules. And if they outlaw it next year, it'll be the Kenny Pickett rule. The Pickett rule. Those are the type of things. 
Yeah, that, that, that's what it is. But those are the things that can often make you a person that, you know what, I, I might remember that guy a little bit more and what he did this year. Maybe Kenny Pickett should get this vote. Or maybe it's not a closed deal, even though I do think Bryce Young will win it, but there's certainly that chance that Kenny Pickett could be the guy that sneaks in. Well, we like the Pickett rule more than we like Pickett's charge, right? Hey! Oh, uh, Chris, yeah, last, last <laughs> one for you, buddy, real quick before I let you go, and I appreciate all the time you're giving me here. Uh, just looking ahead to Thursday, some, some quick you know, keys you think the victory for the Steelers. Well, absolutely. Uh, one thing, you've got to do the same thing that you did against the run this past week. Do not let, whether it's Dalvin Cook or Alexander Madison, whoever heck lines up at running back for the Vikings, keep them in check. First curse, first force Kirk Cousins to be one-dimensional. I really do think this is a huge week for Joe Hayden back, though. They've got two really talented receivers in Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. You've got to keep them under wraps. Don't let them become super playmakers against you. Keep them up. And for the Steelers, the Steelers' pass defense, go after them. You know, Patrick Peterson might not be available this week. There's, there's a lot of things that you can do. Get back active. Get to your playmakers. For the offense, let the offensive line keep it up. But for me, Ben Roethlisberger, I had Deontay Johnson just get two touchdowns last week. Pat, Pat Fryermuth needs to get more involved. Get Najee Harris involved. Use your playmakers and lean on them. You drafted them high for a reason, and Deontay Johnson is a true wide receiver one. Lean on those guys. So, stuff the run, defend those top-tier receivers, and get the ball to your playmakers. That's how you win in a short week. <laughs> Chris, love it, buddy. Really appreciate your time, as always, on this busy short week. Chris Carter, subscribe to the Locked On Steelers podcast, DK Pittsburgh Sports, WPXI. Hear him here on SNR. You're the best, brother. Thank you. Thank you, Wes. Always a pleasure. There he goes. My guy, Chris Carter. Great stuff from him, as always, lending me plenty of his time on what I know is a busy busy week. He's got me convinced with that TJ stuff. I There's real value there. I think you can look back at a lot of the games and say, hey, you know, if TJ's 100% here, Steelers got a really good shot of winning. Cool. I think they would at least have... Huh. I think you could definitely say that they would have one more win at least at this point, if, if you know, in a, in a scenario where he had played the entire season. That's real value. It's tough to argue quarterback. Like, quarterbacks should have their own awards category. I mean, they really should. Because in the, in the pure sense of most valuable, it's always the quarterbacks for every team, except for, like, the Titans and Derrick Henry. Quarterbacks have the ball in their hands all the time, except for what we saw from the Patriots last night, right, where they ran the ball, like, 47 times and only threw it with Mac Jones three times. But almost always, 99% of the time, quarterback's always the most valuable person on the field. Because they're the one with the ball in their hands half the plays. But in terms of most outstanding, I, I, I think it's TJ. Value, it's, it's tough to argue against some of these quarterbacks. I think Kyler Murray has taken a little bit of a ding because he missed three games and the Cardinals still looked really good in those three games. Tom Brady, he's got really good numbers this year, but I don't think the Bucs are winning and dominating like a lot of people. Like, like in a weird way, I don't think the Bucs, even though they're first place in their division, have met expectations this year. That's probably the best way to put it. They're kind of still flying under the radar. Now, when we get closer to the playoffs and the playoffs begin, there'll be a ton of people that are, you know, gonna pick the Bucs. You can't write off the Bucs, you can't write off Brady, obviously. But right now, it feels like maybe Aaron Rodgers and TJ Watt really are at the top of that conversation. You know, Matthew Stafford might have been there for a while, but the Rams have, have faltered as of late. Who else are you going to put there? 
Now, the Chiefs look like they're really starting to put it together, and maybe they take off, and maybe Mahomes just has an insane last five weeks of the season, and he gets into the conversation too. That, those type of things could always happen. But you know what? I think TJ finally has a, a, a real good shot to take home some individual hardware this year that I would say he is rather overdue for already in the first place. Final segment coming on the other side. You know what that means. Uh, I want to play some Cam Hayward audio from earlier today. Uh, We'll also get to some of your tweets, your reactions, uh, some here about turning the page on the short week. We'll get to all that stuff. At Wesley Euler is where you find me on Twitter if you want to get your questions, comments, concerns, and reactions in. Our friend Carol tweets me and says, your only flaw, you don't like Pitt. (laughs) Carol, I think that's my best quality. No, hey, I'm, I'm sure it's. I, I, in fact, Carol, you know what? I know it's a flaw for a lot of our listeners because uh, my bosses have gotten emails before complaining about how I mention WVU from time to time on SNR. How dare I? But yeah, Carol, you're right. In fact, you know, you say I don't like Pitt. I think you could substitute that with a different four letter word. Starts with H, ends with eight. Ah, you see what I did there? But I love you, Carol. I might not like Pitt. In fact, I might even hate Pitt. But I love you, Carol. You're the best. All of our tweeters are the best. Uh, Thrash David, Julie, uh, Rod Dalla, Nation920. I see all you guys on Twitter. We'll get to your tweets and more on the other side when we return to wrap up the final segment of the Rare Steelers Tuesday in-season blitz here. I don't know what I did. I just combined like... 10 different words. You see, I have Chris Carter on the show, Mr. Pitlaw, and just all of a sudden, I forget how to talk, I forget how to function. (laughs) We'll come back, wrap this whole thing up, get to some of your reaction, hear from Cam Hayward, a whole bunch for you in the final half hour of the show. Don't go anywhere. It's the Steelers Blitz on SNR.